Hey guys, we are back for another episode of Relational Leadership, and we always look for topics that you can use, whether you are the mom or a CEO of a Fortune 100 company. It doesn't matter. There's going to be tidbits you can take away. I am Stephanie Clements. And I am Sean Dolly. And today we have in the studio the gentleman sitting between us, Sean Wallace, who is the owner of 1% Lists Purple Door. He's in three locations in Kentuckyana. And we're going to get into what he does and how he does it. And I think importantly, we're going to maybe explore why he does it. But in a nutshell, we were talking beforehand, he offers his real estate services at a 1% commission as opposed to the more traditional five or six. And so uh, there's going to be plenty of people in the market and in the real estate profession that are probably interested to get some more information about what that is and why that is. So Stephanie, why don't you uh, take it from here and we'll get the conversation going. Yeah. So today's topic is going against the grain when leaders go against the industry standard and kind of the pros and cons of that. So, Sean, first off, your hands are in about as many things as mine are, you know, so you stay very busy. I'm saying a lot. Yeah, but um, tell us a little bit about what got you started and why you decided on um, 1% list. Well, I think um, realistically, it's called passion. We have passion for a lot of things, whether that is, uh, for me, it was food, of course, and cooking, uh, music, as you well know, and then um, in the past, I've always been had a real estate license, but I've always been a contractor as well. Um, the, my passion for contracting died off uh, a little while ago, though, because as you well know, with your yes, with your yep. business, uh, it's difficult to rely on so many people in order to get a project complete. So I think uh, over the years, I really decided and discovered that it contracting wasn't really where I needed to be. Instead, for me, it was back in the real estate game. So, but I knew I didn't want to just be a regular, do a regular traditional real estate uh, uh, type company and then go to work for a normal, what everybody would consider a normal traditional real estate company and then try to grow my business. Um, I wanted something that differentiated me, something that helped me stand out more than I already do, right? <laughs> uh, and so that's why I, I had talked to a, a former business partner of mine about um, doing something a little different, going against the grain, so to speak. And that's how the whole uh, idea was born of offering full service company, but doing it at a reduced rate. Um, and that's how we got started. Now, the 1% <clears throat> comes in where I was approached by the 1% list company out of uh, New Orleans uh, to do a franchise. Um, and at the time, I was doing as a Purple Door, it was Purple Door Realty was the name of the company, and we were doing very well. However, I knew that if I did not scoop this name up, somebody else in the market was going to. Right. So I, I worked out an agreement with the folks down there that I would have exclusive rights for the state of Kentucky, and that's what I did. I bought the exclusive rights so no one else could come in, and I box out my little, my little area and my little genre, and that's how we really we just started with 1% list at the beginning of the year, although we had been doing the business model for several years. Right, okay. So, um, just playing devil's advocate here and things, the, the standard for listing is 3%. So basically 3% goes to the listing agent, 3% goes to the, um, buyer's agent Correct. in, in traditional real estate. Right. Um, so how does that work on your side? So when we list a home, 
you know, the buying side is totally different when I represent, represent on the buy side. But as the list side, it's 1% for my company, and then it's 2.5% typically for the buyer's agent. You know, everybody is under this impression that these numbers are standard and that these numbers are, but that is, that is illegal. There is no standard number. We don't come up with that number. The homeowner is the one, the seller, since the seller's paying both, they're the ones that actually come up with this number. You know, so anyone that says that, you know, you should be charging this or whatever, that's really not something that, that we should do as real estate agents. That's not something that we should be getting into. Instead, we should be saying, hey, uh, this is what we feel is a good value proposition, what we feel is a good number for what we do, and this is how my company's model exists. So that's really what that should be a little bit different on how people perceive it. One percent for the list side, two and a half percent for the buyer for the buyer side. Um, but that number can also fluctuate. And and used to it was very rare that you saw anything in the MLS below three percent. I am telling you right now, I've been picking up a lot of buyers recently, and I'm looking a lot through the MLS. And I would say about thirty to forty percent now of all listings in the MLS are two and a half percent on the cooperating agent side. So it's already starting to drop. Mm-hmm more so than it did. And I'm never getting, four years ago, I was getting a lot of flack from agents. Hey, why is it this pay 3%? Because that's what the seller's willing to pay you. Now, I never get a complaint about it anymore. Uh-huh. So it's becoming more of an acceptance, more of a norm mentally than it was before. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, I've, I've never been in the industry. I've never been a real estate agent. Uh, I've bought and sold more than a few homes and investment properties. Uh, so once upon a time, um, my mom was a real estate agent. And I remember the first time I heard about a little um, online platform. You, you've probably heard of it. It's um, Zillow.com. <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. So I remember the That's first the time. That's the constant I struggle saw, and battle, trust me. <laughs> so, well, so as a, as a layperson, right, as, as a layperson, the first time I saw that, uh, I will admit that I naively thought, oh, my gosh, this may be, this may be the end of real estate agents. Now, again, I, I am admitting that I was, I was too naive. I just did not understand enough about the mechanics. So on one hand, um, you got to believe I've heard people complain about, I can't believe how much I paid my real estate agent right, <laughs> for, for what they did or what he did, what she did. Now, at the same time, I can remember my mom in a pre-cell phone era going from payphone to payphone around Harrison County and being stood up at appointments and getting to closing and somebody backs out. So I got to see the bloody knuckle, you know, side of the real estate business. And, and I really, because of that, appreciated what agents bring. So if, if your model is 1% as opposed to the three or now maybe two and a half, which is a little more typical, I'm not a mathematician, but I can figure out you have to do more volume personally to generate the same net revenue. So my question then is, if it becomes a volume game, how do you make sure that the quality of service you're providing doesn't suffer in the pursuit of more transactions? You have to work. You have to answer the phone. This is to all my fellow realtors out there. You have to work. You have to answer your phone. You have to answer text messages. You have to answer emails, not just with your clients, but your fellow professionals. That's me standing on my pedestal. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I can't get somebody to call me back within a reasonable yeah. amount of time when I need questions answered, text messages, emails. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world are these people doing business? So if you're willing to put the hours in, which I am, and, and this is one of the things like we talked earlier, 
I get flack from other real estate agents. I can't tell you, literally more than a handful of agents have asked me, Sean, why do you want to work this hard? That says it all right there. When your realtor is asking another real estate agent why they want to work that hard, you're using the wrong real estate agent. It's the bottom line. So um, on the other side of the table, so listings don't always require as much work as buying as a buyer's agent, right? Because, right. and especially in this market where you may have to take, you may work with a buyer a long time trying to put in bids and offers and things like that. And they don't get accepted and you go on and on. So they're, they're usually having to work a little bit more. Whereas the listing agent is trying to field and manage those negotiations. Right. But, um, but the gas and the everything else that sure. you're doing on it, uh, as opposed to a buyer's agent is uh, is less. So I can kind of see the the discounted fee on the um, listing side, but I know that there's there's going to be you know that that flack on the idea that a buyer's agent. Sure. Well, let's let me dive into that. Mm -hmm. Last year, I kept impeccable records of how much time I actually had in on transactions, the listing side and the buyer side. No matter which way you cut it, and there is going to be exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, there you have between 11 and 15 actual hours of work in on a transaction. That's it. So maybe you've got 17, maybe you got 20 if you're showing people a lot of properties, right? So how much on a $500,000 home, how much is 15 hours worth of work worth to you? What's 2.5% of $500,000? You're going to make me do math right here. $12,500 <laughs> <laughs> right. $12, for 15 ding, ding, hours ding. worth of yeah. work. Or 20 hours worth of work, 25 hours worth of work. Mm -hmm. How are people justifying, agents justifying what they're making for how many hours they have in a transaction? And I heard this. I gave that same fact to, some, to another agent. Oh, how, how do you only have, uh, uh, you're not giving your people good service. I said, well, check my Google reviews, and that will say otherwise. So, and a lot of these agents have assistants. If they do $5 million a year or $7 million a year, $10 million a year, they have an assistant to help them with paperwork and load listings and close listings and do addendums. I do not. I do it all myself. And that's how many hours I have in a transaction. How much is that worth? If I make $5,000 on the list side and I have 12 hours worth of work in it, where it's worth it to me. If I have $12,500 that I get paid from the listing agent as a buyer's agent for 20 hours worth of work or 15 hours worth, that's well worth it to me. How much per hour do we need to make to justify our value proposition? I am willing to do $20 million, $25 million a year in sales, do it all the work myself, and make the same amount of money as a CEO. Okay. That's it. And that's, that's the same for any, any industry. You know, I mean, as a business owner, your, your salary is set based on how, how much time and energy you're 100%. willing to put in. Um, and, and in every industry, I mean, it's you get somebody who goes against the grain. I mean, when you look at like Elon Musk and the things that he's done, you know, sure. he, he's gone against the grain. And right. so it can be harder for a while, 
because of the fact that I mean you're you're blazing your own trail and but you know eventually eventually everybody starts to understand. So now that I've been doing this for a while, I'm I'm not getting the same pushback. Instead, I have agents now that call me and say, "Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that it's you." Because they know that I'm going to get the deal done. Right. If the deal is able to get done, and everybody's not throwing their hands up, I will get the deal done because they know that I work. Now, am I still the topic of a lot of company sales meetings? Or am I the topic at a lot of closing tables? I am. And I just heard that from, from another closing agent recently that I was the topic of three closings that week of the conversation at the table. So yeah, there are people out there that still don't like the fact that I'm giving an excellent service at a reduced rate. However, I hate that. Like, you can come. I can show you how to do it. I can show you how to make several hundred thousand dollars a year if you want and, right. and do the same thing. You got to work. Are you willing to work 80 hours a week? Then I will show you how to do it because I'm willing to work. There are people out there that are prettier than I am-ish. There are people out there <laughs> but that... But not better hair. No, no, they don't have better hair. <laughs> there are people out there that are smarter than me. But I promise you, no one out there will outwork me. No one. Right. And my numbers and what I provide and my reviews and my clients will attest to my hard work. Period. So, Sean, the, um, the objective variables here are the, the commissions. Like Those are numerical and quantitative values. The subjective variable here is the work ethic. And, right. uh, and, and I, I just take it on at face value that, that the work that you're talking about is there. So if that is the key ingredient, do you think that is what will mitigate from the 1% model becoming the industry standard over 10 or 20 years? Or do you foresee a time between automation and just industry trends that, that, that two and a half percent could become the exception? Like what, you know, if you had your crystal ball out, what do you think this looks like 10, 20 years down the road? I think there will always be a human factor to real estate because each situation is different. Well, for the most part, unless you see do so many transactions, you see each different thing pop up again and again, which which we have at this point almost. Although I do get hit occasionally with something like, oh, that's new. But as we all know, things change. Things are changing rapidly in technology. With mm-hmm. AI, now this is a whole thing right now. Things are changing rapidly um, with uh, the way that the real estate industry is adapting, especially in larger cities, and you know, in the West Coast, in Miami, in New York, uh, with Zillow, of course, so Zillow got some pushback and actually ended up in a little bit of trouble when they started to try and box out you what you had spoken to earlier. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's necessarily the key, but for now, the trend is going where I'm going, I'm okay. ta- and, and in this market, I'm taking it there. So, so I am. positive that it will alter again as time goes on. And maybe that's two years from now. Maybe that's five years from now. Maybe that's 10. Maybe I'm already gone. But all I know is the, the traditional way of doing things is on the downward slope. I can see it. I can see it in other markets. There will always be room for the traditional agent. Always. You're always going to have that, especially in Louisville. Louisville is a traditional market. But... The way things are going, and they are trending in a different direction, and I want to be ahead of that curve when it gets here. And I'm not afraid to do it. I'm not afraid to stand up for myself. I'm not afraid to stand up for my company. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to stand up for my agents that I have. 
and say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're offering this value proposition, which is an amazing one. And I'm sorry, you're differentiating yourself from the other traditional agent based on what? Because I do the same thing as you do. I put it all in the same MLS. It goes to Realtor.com. It goes to Zillow. It goes to all true. It goes to all these things that you're same thing you're doing. I do internet marketing for your house. What what is it that you're doing to stand out from the other person charging six percent? Are you prettier? You have a bigger personality? Are you saying you're better than they are? Because I know some great real estate agents that charge. I mean, good ones. I've I've gone up and worked with some great real estate agents charge six percent. So what makes you different? Really? Right. You want to know what makes me different? I happen to be good at what I do, but you want to know what really makes me different? I'm going to save you $10,000. I'm going to save you $15,000. I'm going to save you $5,000. I'm going to save you, and I'm still going to give you the service. So it's kind of a, to me, it's a no-brainer. I'll save $12,000 to sell. Well, my house, I'd save like fifteen. I'd save $15,000 and use somebody that's going to kill it for me. Yeah. Well, I know that you talked about differentiating and then people need to pick up their phones and, and answer and things like that, you know, and it is amazing. Communication goes so far that, and it's sad that that's become a differentiating factor now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, with my remodeling company and whatever, just the fact we, we hear all the time that, man, y'all told us you were going to be there and then you were there on time and just showing up and doing what you say you're going to do, mm-hmm. how much that stands out to people now. But um, that well, that should have been an industry standard, but it's not. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, a true story. My, my old school rock star realtors are great about communication and they're the ones that call me like, oh, I'm so thankful it's you. I've noticed that a newer crop of agents, and I'm not talking about any age group, I'm just talking about the newer crop of agents, it's become a little bit of an acceptable norm for them to not answer the phones or to get, I'll get to you when I get to you, or like they've convinced themselves through social media and the memes that keep trying, that it's okay to be a little bit lax and it's okay to do personal stuff. And I'm going to tell you something, you have two minutes, two minutes to answer your phone in the real estate business. Because I promise you, when you do not answer your phone and that person calls me next, I will answer my phone. I'm picking them up. You lose them. You have two minutes to get back with a new client. If not, I'm taking them from you. Heed my warning. I will take your business. I hate that for you. I mean, I want you to do well. I want you to be successful. I want you to feed your family too. But my competitive nature, I don't let anything slip through the cracks. And if I do, I beat myself up over it for a week if I miss one. Because I do occasionally miss one. I beat myself up over it. You like maybe sleep every now and then and miss something? It's all it's all scattered. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I think I may have 20 minutes. To, but I leave my phone on and I watch so it vibrates. I'm like, oh, it's on the hollow. So, you know, the thing about it is the industry norm, the industry standard on service has become laxed in our, you know, in our real estate community. And that is something I've always set myself apart on service because I always... You know, I do what I can. Sure. So, Sean, I'd like to leverage some of the specifics that we've just discussed and then maybe tease out some broader leadership takeaways. So uh, there's people that are listening now or on the podcast later that either agree with you or or don't agree with you. 100%. Sure, right, right. But I think what everyone can appreciate is that at some point you made a strategic calculation 
to enter into a business model that was different from the industry norm. Mm-hmm. So for, for people out there in leadership capacities, this industry or any other, that think they have a better mousetrap, they think they have that longer lasting light bulb, they think they got something better, it's not simply the purely intellectual, analytical, I've got it all down on paper. There's going to be the emotional component of, okay, once I pull the trigger on this, I'm putting myself into a different camp. 100%. And sometimes for some people, that can be very uncomfortable. So kind of back us up to that point. You you obviously exude a lot of confidence, and you've got the track record now to demonstrate that, Mm -hmm. okay, you were right. But I'm guessing that at some point, just prior to when you went this direction with it, there was probably a little bit of, whether it was trepidation, apprehension, but there was probably some part of you that you had to kind of get over yourself. So walk walk us through, because I don't want people to get so focused on only the nature of your model. I, I want people to maybe take something from this, like because sure. there's some people right now that are thinking about doing it a different way. Tell them what that was like for you. Calculated stumbling. Okay. Uh, I'm going to write that down. I'll give you credit the first time I use that. After that, it's mine. So so have you ever been in a situation where you're intoxicated? And you know you're intoxicated. No, never. You're you're intoxicated and you know you're drunk. You stand up and you're like, oh, man, I'm drunk. And I got to go pee. I got to the bathroom, right? How do I successfully get to the bathroom to go to the bathroom without hitting a wall or without hitting my toe on the foot on the couch or falling, right? (laughs) That is exactly what it's like. I know that I have a goal. I know that I have to go to the bathroom, right? I know that I want to be successful, and I know where I want to be. How do I get there without falling? And you know what? I fell. I fell three or four times. I hurt my shoulder. I hurt my, my you know, I hurt yeah. my, you know. So it's not an, ex- it wasn't an exact science. I had I, another guy in town was doing a flat fee model, but he was pretty close to giving full service at the time. And he mm-hmm. switched his business model and gone in between mine and full service. And I, I kind of watched him and how he did things. And then the rest of it boiled down to, okay, now my own brain takes over. I know that I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to give anything less than full service. My personality, I can't do a flat fee listing and, let the, my seller negotiate directly with the buyer's agent. By the way, while I'm saying, and I hate to get off track here, but I need, it's, it's important for me to say, you know, I did a deal with uh, a lady that I actually knew from Facebook, and she went with a flat fee model. And, you know, and and uh, this was just very recently. And I dealt directly with her. And to be honest with you, it was not a fair fight. I'm a very experienced negotiator at this point. I've dealt with hundreds of contracts over the past year. And um, she was not. And, and I kept telling her, you need to call your agent. You need to call your agent. But she's like, well, this isn't part of the service. And at the closing table, she looked at me and she said, I should have gone with you to begin with because I saw your website. And I said, absolutely. Because, you know, while I have a fiduciary responsibility, my main responsibility is to my buyer was mm-hmm. in that situation. And, and we walked away from that definitely on the winning side of that negotiation. So, but... Back to back to your question. Sorry, I didn't mean to veer. It was just I thought right. it was important at the time. I thought, thought it was anyway. <laughs> so it hey, sounded, we will decide good. what is and is not important. Yeah, my, here, my brain is like a million different places. <laughs> but um, so, but starting to do the way that I did in, in, in any industry, if you've got an idea or or if you're going to follow a different path, you will hit lots of roadblocks. I mean, you're going to you're going to hit roadblocks from peers. 
Uh, you're going to hit roadblocks from people that don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, well, how do you make money? How in the world, this is what I got. How in the world do you make money? I said, don't believe me, just watch. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me, uh, uh, Dana White, the guy that runs the UFC, mm-hmm. he, he's got a, a popular little video going on Facebook, and I'm scrolling, or on Instagram, I'm scrolling the other day, and, I, and, he, and he said it exactly the way that I felt. Tell me I can't. I want you to tell me that I can't do it. Tell me, because that's my biggest motivator. I'm so competitive. Tell me that I can't do it and watch me. So even though I hit roadblocks and even though there's people that don't like me and even though there's, you know, whatever, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for myself. I'm going to do it for my family. I'm going to do it for, you know, my company and the people that I, I owe responsibilities to. So if you're thinking about doing something in your industry that is a breakaway from the norm, you know, get your plan Plant your seeds, pour your footers, mm-hmm. and then start building. And when you hit a roadblock, you know, if you poured some concrete and, and a leaf falls in it, you know, pick it out, yeah, smooth it out, and keep going. When, from the time you, you made the strategic decision to pivot to this model, uh, until now, when you've obviously enjoyed some success, during that journey when you were stumbling, what did you learn about yourself? What did you find out about yourself that you hadn't yet discovered before you took that path? Um, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. What did I discover about myself? I never considered myself a hard worker. I never really did. So, so even though I did work hard, mm-hmm. you know, looking back, you know, and I never thought, I always thought, man, I, I slept until 7.30 today or I slept until 8 on a, on a Tuesday morning. You know, I'm behind the eight ball because I know XYZ down the street got up at 4 o'clock this morning and worked out. And then, you know, so I think I discovered about myself that at 11 o'clock at night, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning when I'm doing paperwork and everybody else is not, that, you know, I don't have set hours that I am actually a hard worker or that I feel that I've given more than you know a lot of people do. I, it really that's the takeaway. It, yeah, it's, and it's you know, and, and also I'm I'm a, I'm like a papa bear, so I'm protective over my people. And you know, my people, you people out there will under, will know this. If you're my people, I will protect you. And if somebody does something that I don't like towards you, I'll I'll, I'll stand right up and I'll be the first one in line. So I know that when you first started on Purple Door. Um, y'all had more of a flat fee model. Mm-hmm. And I know that we talked a ways back and you were finding that, again, you know, you had kind of levels of service, but again, you mm-hmm. were out giving that, that flat fee. So this is at least allowed a yes. little bit more variation. And, and I think anything is, you know, when you're doing something new is trial and error. Mm-hmm. I had a business that I personally didn't think anybody would pay for whenever I was doing these open houses, these million dollar listing open houses. And so I set my fee really low just to cover mm-hmm. some of it and and people started paying for it and I realized how much time I was putting in and I was yeah. going broke doing it, you know, yeah. because I didn't really yeah. I, I never thought I would do that many. And so you have to do that trial and error mm-hmm. and and there is that stumbling there of figuring out, mm, no, I'm going to end up doing way too much and I, I have to 
charge a little bit more accordingly. Yeah, thank, actually, thank you for saying that, and that's something that I've thought about in depth uh, over and over again over the years. When I first started this, I wasn't charging enough for what I was getting. Again, the value proposition for my clients was out of this world, but it wasn't quite enough for what I was giving. Um, so for me, it, it, it was like, all right, I'm going to simplify this and offer one, one thing. This is the way I do it, and I hold firm on my, on you know, even though it's reduced over traditional, you'd be surprised people would try to get me down even more. And I say, no, 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 this is perfect, and I'll tell you why. And I, and I, and I explain to them why it's the perfect value mm-hmm. for what, for, you know, you're, you're giving this, but this is why. And I know that there's a lot of traditional agents that charge traditional that believe that their value proposition is perfect, and they're, it's perfectly fine. They can charge Five or six percent. Say, I know some that charge seven percent, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You guys, you can charge whatever you want if you feel that that is right for you and your situation. Um, but I'm coming for your listings. I'm sorry, but I, I'm I, I am coming for your listings. And you know, me charging three and a half percent, and you charging six or seven, you got a lot of individual sales work to do. And, and, or you can come join me and I'll show you how to do it the right way, how to do it this way. <laughs> Give your client a great value, which is also do, we're helping our clients. I mean, let's not forget about that factor of it. What mm-hmm. we're giving our clients for what we're receiving in return, I believe is very fair. I believe that it is a fantastic value for them. And it also enables them and helps them to get out of a situation. I can't tell you how many estates that I have sold over the past few years where they're able to, because of what, how I did things, they were able to help get their kids through college or they were, I mean, it, it's just incredible that the side factor to real estate is we get to help our clients. I'm taking it a step further by enabling them to keep more of their own equity in their homes. Well, Sean, I appreciate you being here. We it? appreciate you being you here. <laughs> we're, you know, we try to limit it to that 30-ish minutes well, so listen, that let me, we can. Let me say uh, this let me, right. real quick. I, this is going out to all you agents out there. I hope I didn't upset you with what I said. I don't want to, I want to say that. I hope I didn't. However, um, I can show you a different way to do it. All right. So what would be your one takeaway for anybody, mm-hmm. whether they're in real estate or whether they're in their own business and and thinking of, of pushing out and doing it differently. Do it. it. All they can do is say no. Right. <laughs> and you, you may, you're probably going to get a lot of no's, by the way. But if you believe in yourself and you believe in what you do, um, I mean, you, you said Elon Musk a few minutes ago. Classic example. He believed in himself. I'm not the same level, but I, he believed in himself. He believed in what he was doing. Every entrepreneur, every inventor, every um, every person that has done their own thing has believed in themselves and believed in what they do. And I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm selling real estate. I'm doing the same thing that's been done for yeah. centuries, right? At this point, so I'm not. I'm just charging differently on based upon what I've. Uh, in, in, real quick, 2001 when I got my real estate license, March of 2001. I remember at, uh, it was like a Wednesday night, it was 11.30 at night, and I hand-delivered a contract in a Walmart parking lot. You don't have to do that anymore. Why are you charging 6%? I do it next, (laughs) I I lay in my pool with my laptop in my lap and and sell real estate. You do not have to do the same thing that you used to do anymore. You can rely on technology, save that time. You only have to have 
12, 13, 14 hours in a transaction, you can do an incredible job. That's worth five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars to me all day long. That's it. So, soapbox over. Okay. <laughs> so, well, we appreciate it, and um, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, love your comments and feedback. And we are on Spotify, Audible, Apple um, Podcasts. So please go follow us there and share this if you enjoyed it, so that. We can continue to reach new people, and um, we will be back next week. Yep, very much looking forward to it. So long. Bye.